The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. At least 500 homes were damaged. Dozens of businesses burned to the ground. The blaze burned more than 6,000 acres of land, triggering hundreds of evacuations across multiple towns. Luckily, no immediate reports of any deaths or missing people in the aftermath, but at least seven people were injured. So far, it looks like the, the two major hospitals in the areas were spared. Looks like schools were spared. Uh, and uh, we might have our very own New Year's miracle on our hands if it holds up that there was no loss of life. And officials hope the expected three to six inches of snowfall will actually help the firefighting efforts. As for resources, President Biden has already granted an emergency disaster declaration for recovery funds. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was Colorado Governor Jared Polis. He said that that was a New Year's miracle. I like to say it was a Christmas miracle because we still are in Christmas, right? Merry Christmas, everyone. I know it's the new year, but let me just say Merry Christmas. As Catholics, we're still we're still celebrating, right? I hope you are. Is the tree down? Or did you leave it up? How late do you leave it up? Do you leave it up to the 6th? Do you leave it up to February 2nd? I know some people take it down right after Christmas is over. Some like in, enjoying their trees. Mariani household, ours is still up, <laughs> although it'll probably be coming down soon. It's good to be back with you. I missed you. I enjoy. Um, I enjoyed having a little bit of time off with the family, and we got a lot to catch up on. A lot of news has happened. I'll fill you in on some of the stuff that happened here with the Marianis, and of course, I'd love to hear from you. You are always welcome here. It's a new year, right? And I think God's got great things in store for us. I really do. I think it's going to be a, a wonderful year, and I think there's going to be a lot of blessing coming our way. I think there's going to be a lot of challenges, to be honest with you, too. A lot of challenges, and thank God for what we're able to do here at Relevant Radio, because in the year ahead... Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to give you that clear, rational uh, thinking, that 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 clarity on some of the confusing issues of our day. And uh, we're going to have midterms coming up this year. There's going to be a lot of things going on. Uh, we're already dealing with COVID and Omicron, and I think we're going to see more of it. So, uh, you know, let's let's thank God for what we have. I mean, 2019, 2020, 2021, they're behind us, right? Kind of crazy years. What lies ahead? Who knows? But it is still Christmas, right? Let's let's rejoice in that. Let's continue to celebrate. I know Christmas was a little more than a week ago, but uh, we're going to celebrate it for, you know, we celebrate it for more than just a day, right? Uh, yesterday, we marked the epiphany in the Catholic Church, uh, but the season goes all the way to next Sunday, it goes to the baptism of, of our Lord. So I'm hoping you're having a merry one and God will continue to bless you abundantly. But you heard that piece at the very top of the uh, show here that Maggie ran, a little bit of audio there. The people in Boulder, Colorado, they're going to need that blessing. <laughs> they're going to need it a lot. I, I don't know if you've seen what was happening there. Wildfire went through the area on Thursday, and it may have burned down more than 1,000 homes. I mean, gosh, I'm just so grateful for God's mercy and his protection on on me. And I just, I think every day you don't know the day or the hour that life can change. I mean, what kind of, how do you stop a wildfire, right? What an extremely rare event, especially in December, right? Taking place in a populated area driven by 100 mile an hour winds. I mean, that's crazy. And we're seeing more of these really unbelievable natural events. Here's the good news, all right? From what officials know so far, and you heard that in the piece, there was no loss of life. A few injuries, none of them major. Officials are calling 
They're calling it a Christmas miracle. And I believe in miracles. I do. The, the fire itself, though, very strange. I mean, it burned down some homes, but it left like homes right next door untouched. I mean, it was really weird. The, the fires, the, they, they come, it comes a little more than a year after the wildfire hit that same county in 2020. It also forced vaccination, uh, evacuations. Uh, so, you know, just bizarre stuff. There's actually a couple statues, and I'll talk about this in greater detail maybe in the days ahead of how God sometimes protects in miraculous ways and also how, sometimes how he allows signs. I've heard stories of tabernacles, statues, a lot of things that have been swept out by tsunamis or floods or survived wildfires. It's as if though God had his hand of protection around those. But, you know, I, we, you've probably seen on television a lot of the talk of Donald Trump and, and the um, the riots on the on the Capitol, I was so sick of watching all of that. I, I, I said to my producers uh, this morning, I'm like, look, I just, there's gonna be plenty of politics later in the year. There's gonna be plenty of politics in the days ahead. I don't wanna talk about that. I wanna talk about some some good news. I wanna talk about what's happening in, in the culture. I wanna talk, this is a time of year that's just rich with so much spirituality. And you know, I think people are sick of, of politics too, to be honest with you. And you can sh- sound off. Let me know what you think. I don't know if you, if you, you feel the same way or not. Um, I saw the report that, um, you know, the, the loss of Donald Trump has been a bad thing for the White House, not just for the White House, I mean, it's been a bad thing for for cable news in general. Uh, you, you know, I mean, the uh, the liberal media, they absolutely loved him, gave him fodder, right? Uh, conservative media, they loved him too. They had t- tons of stuff to camp out on. Well, Nielsen ratings came out and weekday primetime viewership it is dropping. It is plummeting with cable news. 38% at CNN, 34% of Fox News, 25% at MSNBC. Here's a breakdown of uh, those viewership drops, according to Nielsen. Check this out. News networks see major viewership drop in 2021. Um, so Nielsen reports that weekday primetime viewership has dropped significantly at various cable news networks. CNN's viewership dropped by 38% while Fox News Channel lost 34% of its audience from 2020. So in one year, this is these are the, the numbers. MSNBC was the network least affected by the drop, with their audience only decreasing by 25%, which is still a lot. Yeah, you're not kidding. That's 25%. And it wasn't just cable news. Regular TV news dropped with ABC's World News Tonight and CBS's Evening News. They dropped 12%. NBC's Nightly News dropped 14%. And it wasn't just... You know, television where it got hit. Um, if you take a look at some of these other news outlets like Breitbart, um, you know, the, there was a, a report on Comscore saying that the number of unique visitors to the Washington Post website was down 44% in November. 44%? I mean, that's almost half your viewership, right? Compared to just a year ago in 2020. And down 34% at the New York Times. Of course, general interest in politics has also waned as the, the media you know, monitoring company uh, NewsWeb looked at uh, 14 million political articles online in 2020. They found that they had an average of about 924 engagements or social media interactions. But last year, um, there was only an average of about 321 engagements. So uh, people, I, I don't know how you feel. I feel that way. I'm kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of good to take a breath, isn't it? I mean, politics are important. We need to have well-formed and moral people in office. I know we need to talk about it, but uh, I think that's a real big indicator of where a lot of people are. And um, I'm sure you probably feel the 
you probably feel the same way. Um, you know, Catholic Vote uh, also reported that a second time capsule has been found. I don't know if you saw this or not. Um, it's at the former site of Robert E. Lee's statue in uh, Richmond, Virginia. This is a cool story. I came across this over the holidays. I thought I'd share it with you because I love these these pieces, these time capsules that are buried and then they are ultimately discovered. And and this was a a thirty six pound copper box appears to have been buried in eighteen eighty seven. Here is more from CBS on the discovery of this ancient time capsule. A surprise discovery, a time capsule found last week buried more than 130 years beneath the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee was opened in Richmond, Virginia. It wasn't that it wasn't meant to be found. It wasn't meant to be found easily. Crews uncovered it while working to remove the pedestal where the Lee statue, long seen as a symbol of racial injustice, had stood until its removal in September. It was taken down following protests over racism and police brutality. Inside the capsule were three books, including an almanac from 1875, a cloth envelope, a pamphlet, and a silver coin. I think it's part of the mystery of maybe the lost cause. What were they thinking back then? I think it's fascinating. Um, It does give you a look into um, the mindset of the people at the time. Um, It's been taken to a conservation lab right now at the Virginia Department of Historic Resources, and they're going to determine how the box is sealed and whether the seal has been breached. And um, we'll see what it ultimately reveals. Can I share just one weird piece of, of news or story with you? Uh, you? You know, we live, as I often say, in a, a time where there is a lack of reason, lack of rationality, just a real disconnect from from reality, right? Now, the, the Biden administration, of course, they want to dump tons. They want to dump billions of dollars, right, uh, into uh, – the IRS, they, they, they want to amp that, that uh, department up. Wait till you hear what the IRS has just said. They said with the rise of crime taking place around the country, they want to make sure that those ill-gotten gains don't go untaxed. And, and according to publication 17 of the IRS, it says income from illegal activities such as money from dealing illegal drugs must be included on your income on Schedule 1, <laughs> Form 1040, Line 8Z, or on Schedule C, 1040, if you are uh, self, uh, self-employment self activity. Um, you know, that means, look, you're doing drugs, you're, you're, you're looting stores, right? You're, you're robbing Gucci, you know, you're, you're, you got those handbags, you're, you're robbing those George. God, you know what? The IRS saying, you know what? You got to report that, you know, got to report your gains on your ill-gotten goods. Who is going to do that, Right. Who, who would ever do that? The Erie County uh, New York Sheriff's Office took the opportunity to let car thieves know. He said, attention, car thieves. The stuff you stole from people's vehicles in 2021 must be claimed on your income tax. If you need an itemized list of property, call us. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know what? There'll be some dumb criminal that says, oh, yeah, you know, I better do that. Let me call him. He actually gave a real number. And they said the deputy or detective will be happy to meet you with the list. It would be our pleasure. That's <laughs> a crazy story. But really, you think a criminal is going to itemize what they have stolen? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Absolutely bizarre. Uh, how is your credit card debt? Is it on the rise? Um, I hope not. Uh, it might be after the holidays. I know that's the case for a lot of people. I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, today. And I also want to get you plugged in. If you are looking for a new job at the beginning of the year, these are, I think, important things for many people. 
maybe it's time to start new, right? Clear the slate. I know a lot of people set New Year's resolutions. They want to lose weight. They want to get healthy. They want to save more money. They want to pay off debt. They want to do their thing. Uh, you know, I, we all make resolutions. They last, I think, a, less than two weeks on average. And I think that's one of the things they said. But I know at this time of year, a lot of people are saying, well, look, I'm going to use the credit card. And then when that bill comes in, it is crazy how how much money you have put on that, right? Uh, look, as I said, we're still in the Christmas season, but... All of our spending on Christmas, you know, it was probably done before the day itself. So, uh, you know, after after 2020, um, you know, and things had been kind of tight for, for people. A lot of stores have been shut down. Things were economically difficult um, for a lot of people. I, you know, I have several friends who have different industries, everything from uh, the travel industry to dry cleaning. And those industries, restaurants and bars, I mean, a lot of those places have been hard hit. And a lot of people, they dialed back for a little bit. But this year, uh, Christmas shopping started early in the year. A lot of people were worried about the supply chain. And because of that, they, they went online and they ordered their products, right? They wanted to make sure they were able to, to get the gift they wanted because it may not be there in the big box. And that was reflected in the fact that credit card balances rose. Check this number out. $17 billion in the fall of 2021. $17 billion. And it continued until Christmas Day. And, and now the personal finance site WalletHub says that we're on track to end the year with $70 billion of additional credit card debt. So that brings the average household you know, balance, card balance, to a little bit more than $8,000. I don't know how you compare. You're more than $8,000, less than $8,000, somewhere in that range. The average balance, $8,000 per household. And remember, that's just credit card stuff. It doesn't include your mortgage, car loans, student loans, whatever medical bills or whatever you might be dealing with with COVID. So I thought we'd address this early on, help you out, get you straight. If you have a question or a comment, you need a little bit of clarity. Paul Oster joins me today. He's uh, the CEO of Better Qualified. I've been talking to him for years because his company specializes in business and consumer credit services, and he's been... Just super on this. He's an expert on how how the major credit bureaus operate, how to get your credit up, and what to do and what not to do. And uh, he's a professional speaker. And you can learn more just about his organization. Uh, his website is betterqualified.com. Paul, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Good to have you with me today. Hey, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. And thanks for having me back on, Drew. Uh, it's a pleasure. I think of you at the beginning of the year. When I saw this report about $70 billion of additional credit card debt, I thought, Wow. You know, that can be crippling. Credit card debt is sometimes very hard, you know, to get out of. As you, you know, what happened? Give me the mindset. Before we talk about strategies or things along those lines, why did people go on this spree? I mean, are they expecting – what's the mindset? Are they expecting that they were going to be getting raises this year, better jobs, the economy is going to rebound? What was the mindset behind that type of spending? Well, you, you started to talk about it. There was an extended shopping uh, season that was in place, right? And, and let's face it, every financial transaction is based on emotion. And during this holiday, emotions were at an all-time high. You know, we're all, we all have COVID fatigue. Uh, there was some guilt. Um, you know, parents felt guilty for having their kids cooped up. And things spiraled out of control very, very quickly. You know, we were already increasing our credit card balances in the middle of the pandemic and going into the holidays during the fall, man, we hit a tailspin and it's really bad because as you know, the credit card debt 
doesn't just stop at the credit card. Once you start increasing your credit card balances, your credit scores start to come down, and they mm. come down quickly. Now you'll be paying more for everything else because you know, your credit score is either going to cost or save you money. We're all faced with a certain amount of debt, whether it's a, uh, auto financing, buying a car, uh, insurance premiums are directly tied to our credit, uh, mortgage interest rates, credit card interest rates, you know, security deposits. All of these things are directly tied to our credit scores. So once those balances go up and the scores start coming down, it's a slippery slope and people really, they, they don't have to just pump the brakes. They need to lock the brakes up, put, pull the emergency brake and stop the debt train in its tracks and then yep. figure out a, an aggressive plan to pay down that debt. Yeah, well, so let's take a few calls. I know how quickly the time's going to go. If you want to get in, I only have Paul for a few minutes. Uh, the number's 888-914-9149. Matt in uh, Lodi, Wisconsin. Good afternoon. Good to have you with us. Good day. I'm wondering how much in the reporting, how much of the balances are interest-carrying balances versus households like maybe myself where we pay the credit card balances off every month, uh, but yeah. we still use them because we get a kickback, either an extended warranty or a percent back. Right. And if you combine those with like Costco or Sam's Club where you get additional kickbacks for being members of the club, you know, so I, I'm curious as to how many of those households that may have spent more because the government gave us more, but we pay those balances off. Great question. I, I do the same thing with my credit card. I have something that gives you back. So, you know, why not use it if you're going to get, you know, 1%, 3%, whatever it is, back on your card. Paul, you know, how do those numbers factor in? I thought Matt brought up a great point. Well, you know, using your card for the rewards programs and, and things like that is a dangerous practice because what happens if and when you ultimately can't pay, you know, the cards off in full. You're very, very fortunate if you're actually paying your, your credit cards off in full each and every month. So just be careful when you carry any balance on your credit cards. You know, daily compounding interest is a very, very scary thing and something that needs to be handled, you know, upfront and, and, you know, face on before it gets out of control. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Matt, for your call. It's a, it's a great point. Um, if, if people, he, I guess to his point, I just want to follow up. How much of the number that we're looking at, that $70 billion is, is people to do? I don't know if you can even answer that. I don't know if you know in terms of uh, the size of that number. I don't know the exact, yeah. you know, amount um, that's carrying, gotcha. you know, interest and stuff like that. But I'm going to assume, look, yeah. if you don't pay it off in full in 30 days, yeah. then you're carrying interest, you're right. you know, no, that's a good with point. those balances. Hey, I say to my wife all the time, I mean, credit cards can be the bane of one's existence because they're so easy to use. You think you're going to pay it off. You don't. And to your point, you now you're paying, you know, interest. Some people have ridiculous interest and they're just... Uh, they're a real trap. You know, I, I hate when I see these kids at college. I remember when my kids were going to college, you know, but, you know, there's people handing out T-shirts, a free T-shirt. If you sign up for this credit card, I'm thinking, don't ever do that. You know, <laughs> they get these college kids with credit cards, you know, granted the limit's small, but they end up racking it and they, they max it out and they end up damaging their credit. Um, if people do get in over their heads, whether it's a college student, you know, getting a free cooler and, and, and you know, <laughs> racking up their credit card or somebody spending too much for Christmas and they just can't seem to get out. What are some of the strategies to help people right now that said, yeah, I did spend a lot and I am carrying more than I want to? What are the best things to do? 
Well, it, again, it's, it's to tackle the debt head on. You should have an aggressive three-month program. Let's face it, we're, we're basically all on fixed income. So where you know, is that money going to come from? And you, the thing I would do immediately is cut all subscriptions immediately. These Netflix, Spotify, Sirius, you know, uh, $4.99 a month, $14.99 a month, $9.99, they all add up very quickly. A family of three, four, five people, easily over $100 a month in subscription. So cut the subscriptions immediately. Um, take that money and apply it towards your credit card debt. The easiest way to do that, Drew, is called debt stacking. You go after the card with the highest balance and you apply all of the the money left over towards that one card until it's paid off in full. So you're a fan of debt stacking versus the snowball effect where you go after your, even though the interest rate may not be as high, you go after your lowest balance, pay that off, and then apply the same amount to your, your next balance? The snowball, the snowball effect when it comes to debt is, is really based on psychology. There's a certain you know positive good feel when you pay off a, an account in full. But mathematically speaking, paying every dollar towards the highest interest rate, you're actually getting like the best return on your money by paying off the one with the highest interest rate. Got it. All right. That makes a lot of sense there, too. So um, the psychology behind this, too, what, what's the best solution just for self-control in this area? I mean, I, I often know that when people get in the habit of eating too much, it's kind of hard to, you know, stop eating too much. Um Spending, it almost becomes addictive. And uh, I know around the holidays, people are in that mode of just, yeah, it's kind of indulgent, kind of pleasurable. You know, they want to buy something, they just go ahead and, and they do it. Should they be extreme, cut up their credit cards? Should there be other things to do? I mean, what would you suggest to people who find themselves now in, in what can almost be an, you know, an addictive cycle? No. So, it, it, there, again, financial transactions are based on emotion. So you, you have to know what you're dealing with, right? And most people, unfortunately, fly by the seat of their pants. They live in a crisis mode every 30 days. There's not enough money left over. There's too much month left over. And that's because they haven't put this down on paper, realizing that even when you put it on paper, it's still fluid and changes. But how much money do you make and how much money do you spend? And, you know, figure out the budget. And when you figure out the budget, use a debit card, not a credit card, or buy yourself a gift card at the beginning of every month. And when that's gone, right. you know, use that for um, recreation, use that for maybe going out for a dinner, buying a drink. But when that money's gone, it's gone. And you can't just keep yeah. spending, yeah. Um, you know, out of control. You got to figure it out and spend accordingly. Well, Paul, I want to thank you for your time, for your expertise. We only scratch the surface of people want more. It's the best to get connected to you for help and to find their way out of this problem. Just go to the website. You know, it's a free credit analysis and consultation. So we'll just help you kind of put the pieces together. Go to betterqualified.com. And, you know, you don't have to talk to anybody. If you don't want to talk to anybody, you fill out a short form and, and we'll reach out to you. Well, maybe we'll text you. Um, at least get the process started. The, the best time to start this debt elimination process was, you know, yesterday, six months ago, but the next best day is today. Don't wait another day into 2022. Tackle this head on right now. Yeah, there's nothing like being debt free. I mean, finding that liberty, that's something else. Hey, uh, Paul, thank you. Check out betterqualified.com. God bless you. Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year. Paul Oster, betterqualified.com. Betterqualified.com. Maggie, you and I were just talking, too. You know, the interest rate on those credit cards is criminal. It is absolutely criminal. Maggie was telling me, Dave Ramsey said no one ever, you know, got wealthy on uh, free, you know, airline miles. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Your life connected. Well, it is good to be back with you today. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I know we're in the new year. That sounds strange, but still Christmas. Keep reminding everyone of that. Let's celebrate the season, right? It is a time, though, beginning of the new year for a lot of change. A lot of people make resolutions. I I think I was at a Christmas party, and somebody said to me, you know, Drew, I just don't don't make resolutions anymore. You know, he said, I just don't do it at the new year. And because I know I'm not going to keep them. And we know that the average resolution lasts, what, less than two weeks, something like that, 17 days. I forget what the exact number is, but not very long. You know, gym membership spike. People do a whole lot of things. But, uh, you know, I, I still think, you know, sometimes cleaning the slate, this is a good time to do it. Whether you're going to eat well or you're going to get your credit card down, you know, whether you're going to spend more time in prayer with the Lord, whatever your resolution is. Might also be a good time to look for, for a new job. Right? Believe it or not, there was a Wall Street Journal article that was just sent to me. I checked this out. It says, why, why 2020 is the year you can get your dream job. Savvy job seekers can seize this moment to get the career and compensation they want. Are you happy with where you are? Or are you disenchanted with your pay? Don't necessarily like the work conditions. Maybe you've been looking for a change for a long time. Maybe it's a dead-end job. You know, maybe you're not maximizing the talents that God has given you. Maybe you're just tired of working for someone else. You may want to strike out on your own. Something you, maybe you want to do something you always dreamed of. Well, this year seems to be the year, according to the Wall Street Journal. Uh, That article, it made the case that, you know, if you are, you know, if you're one of those truly motivated to land a new role or to ascend to that next level or to boost that salary or maybe all three, uh, conditions have rarely rarely been better and and job listings are plentiful as you know wages are on the rise unemployment is low and i think people are taking advantage of it so the, the you know the so-called great resignation that we're seeing in a lot of industries is a real thing i mean there are millions of people leaving their jobs for others and some of that of course is driven by employers demanding you know vaccinations uh, some people have grown accustomed to working from home they don't they don't necessarily want to have to go into a building they enjoy uh, the convenience and the, the the perk of being able to work remotely, uh, a lot of different reasons, a lot lot of a lot of openings. Very few people want to uh, fill some of those openings, so it sets conditions right now uh, for for new employment opportunities. I had uh, dinner with uh, a man named Bruce Lockenauer. You probably have heard of him before. He's been on Morning Air frequently here. He's a uh, global senior client partner with Corn Ferry, the international search firm. And uh, I was telling him about my own daughter who, um, you know, has a degree in international business, studied abroad, and you know, she had a horrible time trying to find a job. She's got one right now, but um, when I had that conversation with him, I said, look, we have to have you back on the air. We should talk about this. And when I saw this article, I thought, no better time to invite him on than today. And Bruce, it's great to have you with me. Good afternoon. Drew, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here with you today. Yeah, happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, 
Thanks for the article. I think it's great. I, get to, I read the journal every day. And uh, this is just a perfect uh, article for today. Uh, let's, let's talk about what we're seeing. I mean, this is your area of expertise right now. Um, what's with this great resignation that we have been seeing? What's motivating people to, to leave jobs? Because it takes a lot of courage to say, okay, I'm done, and to go ahead and to try something new. Uh, so how motivated do you have to be to look for a new job? Uh, why are people leaving theirs? And, and uh, maybe lay the scene or the foundation for us to, uh, as to where we are right now, what the current mindset is. Yeah, you bet, you bet, you bet. And Drew, I, I can't remember if we talked about this when I saw you, but I personally don't like the term great resignation. It has a negative connotation to me. It sounds like you're running away from something. And I think in, in total contrast to that, what has happened is what I'll call the great reawakening. I think people being quarantined, having to change dramatically their work uh, situation, got a chance to get some perspective. And uh, maybe put things back in the right order. Americans, we're notorious for for um, living to work rather than working to live. And I think people saw that when they were quarantined, they were able to sometimes uh, help their kids with their school work, to have meals with the family, et cetera. For, but for whatever reason, I think people reawakened to getting their priorities reset with hopefully with faith at the center and making help, having their job complement you know, their pursuit of, of uh, eternal salvation. So, so, so let me get back to uh, what's going on here. The fall of 2021 was a litany of records that we've never seen before. And they all fell right on top of each other, which have created, as you suggested, the best year ever to get your dream job. By the way, the Wall Street Journal used the word dream. I see other economists that say it's a great time to get a job, but the dream job. And that's right. what our, right. our, our listeners should be shooting for and reaching for. This is the time to reach for that dream job. Why and what are all those records? Job openings exceed job seekers by millions. At one point, it was 11 million openings and only 8 million job seekers. Employers are struggling. There was a survey of US uh, C chief financial officers who said the quality and availability of labor was their number one concern. And uh, one, one software company CEO said, and this is true, that the balance of power has changed from the recruiter to the recruit. Now, more, more records, state unemployment. Nebraska has the lowest unemployment rate of any state ever. They've been tracking it for 45 years, and it's 1.9%. There are three or more openings for every job seeker. You right. talked about the quit rate, uh, Drew. That quit rate rose to a record 3% in September. That means 4.4 million people quit their jobs. I mean, if you extrapolate that, you got a third of the workforce changing jobs every year. You'll, you'll, I don't think that's going to happen, but still, a lot of people. And you asked, you asked why. Um, and th there's also a, a big, so I want to hit on that why, but there's a also a huge exit from the workforce. Post-pandemic, in September, there were 4 million fewer workers than we had in February of 2019. And economists were trying to figure out where they go. Um, a lot of folks retired early. They just said, hey, I'm getting these whatever benefits and, you know, it's just not worth it. I'm going to step out of the workforce. Uh, there was a huge increase in entrepreneurship. In uh, last year, we had 6% of people being re reporting themselves as self-employed. That's the highest rate in 11 years. And companies have... Um, so, so, so again, but back to your question, why? I think, I think people got reawakened. I think they said, you know what? This isn't perfect. This isn't what I like. And I've seen something new. I think what I want, 
I may want to go back to the office. I may want to work from home, but I think I can change things. And the companies that have thought, oh my gosh, we got to do something. Um, and they have, I mean, they, they've responded with, with, with things you mentioned, uh, increases in salary and scion bonuses, but there's some things I thought that were just remarkable. Uh, UPS created an app so that you can go online and in 10 minutes, get a job. No background wow. checks, no nothing. You get a job, boom, and you're right, right alongside with a worker. McDonald's wow. was paying people 50 bucks just to show up for an interview. And there's a, a clothing retailer that dropped all background checks. And they, uh, you know, they talk about hiring ex-cons and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's, it's working for them. So it's a wow. different. So all those things that the companies are doing through is bringing some people back. We went from $4 million that, uh, uh, shortage to, to $3 million compared to what it was before. Two other quick points um, on, on just interesting. I find them fascinating statistics in the, in the labor market. And I was an economist um, uh, at Northwestern. Um, the personal savings rate hit an all-time high. I mean, this is a huge jump. In February, um, it was, uh, before the pandemic, it was 8.3%. In April, it jumped to 33%. Wow. A third of the income that families were getting wow. were, was being saved. And that stretched all the way through the summer. So people, you couple well, why that. Why is that? Explain that to me. That, that's a staggering number. I mean, wh yeah, yeah, what's going true. on? I mean, your guess is able... as good as mine. My guess is people weren't traveling. They weren't going out to movies. Yeah. They weren't going out to dinner. Not eating, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were buying food from the grocery store rather than going out to eat. Um, so uh, they had they had surplus uh, income. The, the, I think ex expenses went down. They weren't commuting. They didn't have their car maintenance expenses, mm -hmm. you know, what have you. But um, that um, that plus the increase in the stock market and in the real estate market, and people are feeling wealthy. The Wall Street Journal you cited earlier today they uh, uh, they 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 said that's contributed to some couples moving from dual to single income households. Wow. which I think is another silver lining of the quarantine. Now, I know not everybody can do that. You mentioned our, our morning air piece. We've had callers that are struggling to make yeah. ends meet that are, and we've been trying to help them figure out how to find their dream job. But if, you, if you're close and you could, uh, it's worth knowing that others have done it and successfully. And as, as you know, as well as I do, God cannot be outdone in generosity. You know, the last thing I'll cite, Drew, um, in terms of records is stress and burnout. And I think I talked to a managing partner of a professional services firm who said, you know, it's pretty binary. People either have figured out how to manage their work-life balance working from home, or they haven't. And most people haven't. Meaning they start way too early, they work way too late, they, they, they don't turn it off. And, and, and there was a survey that was done by the conference board that just came out last month that cited the fact that um, people feeling stress has gone up from um, just the last six months, from about a third of the workforce to, to three quarters, to 75% of the workforce. In fact, wow. there was a guy, um, golly, just about a year ago, financial services executive who had a heart attack. He was so stressed. Fortunately, he survived. And he said, okay, that's it. I'm taking my kids to school. I'm limiting the, the, the hours in which I'll take business calls and the duration of those business calls. And I admire him for this. The, the only 30 minute calls. It's like the the Procter and Gamble one-page memo. If you can't say it in thirty minutes, you know, right. you, you need to rethink it and, and right. tighten it up. So, so that, that, all these that. things, you know, just it, it's it's like a, the perfect storm, Drew. It's a fabulous job market for yeah, that's people. Ama that's amazing. 
It's it's that's absolutely phenomenal. I didn't realize. I mean, some of that data to me is just staggering. You know, I'm surprised though about the the stress levels. You know, and and working from home. I know that there were studies that have been done that have indicated that those who work from home productivity levels are up, and people say that their their contentment is is higher as a result of that. As you said, there's not the the transportation, they don't have the dry cleaning, they don't have to be, you know, in the office all the time. There's not those same type of demands. Uh, where, what's the future of of the work from home model? Are, are we once again, is the pendulum swinging back in the other direction? Are we going to see a hybrid of what we currently have, or will be, hey, we want everyone back in the office? I think it's going to be all over the map, Drew. It depends on on what they do. You know, some jobs and that require you to be present. Obviously, if you're in hospitality, restaurants, what have you. You got to be there <laughs> to yeah, serve your customer. Um, uh, but others where there's, a, and especially in this market where people are struggling to retain and, and recruit workers, I think they're going to have to be more flexible to what the workforce is looking for. But I think, Drew, that the stress comes from not doing what you and I are doing, which is talking with you know friends, being in your office, you know, the, the water cooler time when I walk in the office, I walk around and see who's in and catch up and learn and share ideas. We're social beings. Yeah. To be, you know, locked up in your house uh, for all that time, I think made people stressful. And again, the inability to, to turn off. And I don't know what the psychology of it is, Drew. But Zoom meetings, you get zoomed out really fast. Yeah, I think it's yeah, they're they're extra stressful. It's it's a I don't know. I think it's more fun and more uh, nourishing to see somebody and meet somebody in person and press the flesh, if you will. Yeah, my guest today is uh, Bruce Lockenauer. If you want to join us, feel free to. It's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. He is a uh, Really, an, an expert uh, on helping people find those dream jobs that we're talking about. He's a global senior client partner with Corn Ferry, and they're an international search firm. And I know you probably have heard him on Morning Air. Uh, I've, I've had the great pleasure of spending some time with Bruce and tapping into his expertise. And we'll just take a few of your calls. Again, I only have a few minutes with him today, but uh, the number, if you want to get in, 888 So if you're looking for a new job, a new position, uh, feel free to do that. A couple things we'll address. I have to take a short pause here, Bruce, but when I come back, uh, ageism. I'd love you to address this issue because you're talking about people fighting their new jobs. You know, quite often as people get older, it's harder to find that job or change it. Uh, We can deal with that. There's a lot of other things to take a look at as well. How important are connections, you know, and, and what do you need to do? in order to exit your job properly and enter that new workplace. So feel free to call us. We'll continue our conversation right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Tell one friend about the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. I'm not holding a small cup, Drew. I'm handing, <laughs> holding an extra large cup. A bucket. Every weekday at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on Relevant Radio. That's right. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we will pray the chaplet. We are live today and would love to pray for you and whatever need or intention you might have. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you're praying for that new job. You know, a lot of people are. It can be, uh, can be a really difficult uh, situation to be in. If you are looking for new employment, there's good news out there. Your dream job may be right around the corner. 2022 may be the year that you land it. And I thought today we would talk uh, about some strategies on how to do that, what you need to do. 
my guest today, Bruce Lockenauer, has got 12 strategies or steps that will certainly help you. And I thought uh, thought we'd get him into the conversation here. And Bruce, I, I want to talk about those steps, but I also want to deal with uh, this issue of, of ageism. As people get a little bit older, and I'm always surprised by this. I mean, I know people who are in their 50s and maybe even in their 60s who decide to change careers and they find it's very difficult or they, they are, they're no longer in their current career and they're looking for jobs and they just can't land another job. And, you know, my, I, I had owned my own company at a point. I, my worldview is always this, you know, I'm not intimidated by credentials. If somebody wants to work for you and they're credentialed, great. If somebody's older, well, they bring them with them years of experience. They face problems and challenges and they've, you know, they've got experience in terms of how to, to rise above those. Yet we see people who are getting up there in age, you know, not being chosen over younger people. I know the concern might be, oh, they're going to retire at some point, but I, I, I don't, I don't get that. Fill me in if you could, um, just on, on what we're seeing. How real is this problem that that older demographic is now facing? And and yet I I see them armed with tremendous tools and assets to any company they go to. True, you're absolutely right. I think it's both an issue. That's out there, but there's an opportunity for folks to turn that on its on its uh, head, because if you are a senior experienced person, you've got two things. I would uh, typically three things over, you know, a millennial or or, who, or younger executive. One is that experience that you talk about. Uh, two is you're going to have an amazing, and that from that experience comes your set of capabilities or competencies. And you've got, uh, you know, you've got the wherewithal and the maturity to understand what your passion is. So you can prayerfully discern what you ought to be doing next and come in with, you know, being able to highlight those experiences, uh, their competencies, and also uh, what your passion is. But the other thing is, Drew, if you've got 25 years, 30 years of experience, you've got 30 years of a network that you can tap into once you've, so the first step in, in the, the 12-step process to landing your dream job is to discern prayerfully What's next? And that's by really understanding yourself. What are you good at? What do you like doing? And, and airing that out with, with uh, family and, and, and coworkers and, and then going after it. And, and in going after it, you develop your marketing materials and you network. You touched on this just a little bit before we left. I think we talked about this with your daughter as well. Yep. 80% of jobs are not posted, but solved through networking. And even those that are posted the vast majority of those are solved through networking. So back to the ageism question, you know, you've got, if you dig in, you've got an incredible network into which you can tap. And maybe it's two degrees of separation. Maybe it's not the person you know, but the person that they know to whom they can refer you, who can help you get in the door for that dream job. Drew, in this market, you can position those things as an asset. And any employer who's worth is, is going to think, Oh my gosh, great. I'm not going to have somebody who's just in here sampling, but they really want to do this. They've got the competencies, they've exhibited the competencies in their previous role, even if it's totally different than what I'm looking for, that shows that they can do it. And they've displayed loyalty in their previous you know, chronology, if, if you have. So that, I think it's, an op it's a golden opportunity to, to, again, discern what that dream job is and go after it and use your experience as an asset, as a selling point. So I love it. So prayer, networking, what else? Well, develop your marketing materials. Everything's got to be aligned, Drew, so that, uh, and, and today, what is everything? Your resume, which is still important, LinkedIn, and your social media. 
almost every, almost without exception, recruiters and employers are going to be going out and checking out your social media. And you need to, once you've discerned what you want to do, um, make sure they all portray you as someone who'd be terrific doing it. Uh, and by the way, and, and the topic came up, the question came up, what about Catholic aspects of GEO? Mm-hmm. That's great. I think it's important that you, that you have those in there as well, because it's more important that they know today, you know, what your feelings are and, and beliefs are rather than, than uh, three months after you started the job. So discerning what you need, the role of the sector of the company, your marketing materials, having them aligned, and then your networking strategies we talked about. Um, uh, that, because networking is how you get a job, you'd be surprised at how broad your network is if you really think about it. And one of the things that, that came up uh, earlier is go to your parish priest, especially if you're changing roles. He likely knows somebody in the parish that's involved in whatever it is that you're hoping to do next. Last talk uh, I gave was on preparing your elevator pitch, making sure you can discern in just a few sentences or articulate just a few sentences who you are, what you seek, and make sure you ask for a next step. Um, connecting with headhunters. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday morning with uh, on Morning Air at 7.30. And as a headhunter, I've got some, uh, some, some views on that. Launching the campaign, refining your interview skills. I mean, Drew, we're going to work really hard to get that interview. You want to make sure you kill it. And there are some, yeah. some tips and techniques. Key elements that ask for an offer, negotiating carefully and avoiding counteroffers, conducting due diligence. They're going to check you out. You need to make sure you check them out. And then references and background checks. Those are the 12 steps. That's great stuff. That's phenomenal, actually. And so I know uh, Morning Air has had you on very regularly, and they can go back, I guess, to the archives, too, and get plugged into anything that uh, you and John may have spoken about. So that'd be relevantradio.com. You can go ahead and do that. And you're on 730. Is it tomorrow you said you're going to have a, the, a Wednesday? Uh, when, every other Wednesday. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Every other Wednesday. So you'll mark your calendars. You can get checked out. Uh, you know, Bruce, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say back to that first point. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about what's been most meaningful, um, and I've heard back from listeners and things. And that is, as you're discerning uh, prayerfully what you should do, take a step out, go on a retreat. You know, I, I believe in a silent retreat. You know, three day silent retreat. Leave your phone in the car. Really unplug and get. We talk about this reawakening of getting your priorities aligned. Get them aligned. I mean, that's a great thing to do in New Year. So. If your resolutions only last for 17 days, whatever you said, Drew, sign up now for that retreat so you can unplug and really make sure that you've got things aligned in your life mm. to reach, you know, to, to attain what you want to do, especially uh, eternal happiness. You know, I, I'll underline that. I, I had a big decision to make, you know, several years ago about career choice and path. And, and you know, I really, I, I just wanted to do God's will, you know, and the Lord has a mission for us. I, you know, I was in a totally different career path, you know, 17 years ago, you know, I was making documentaries and, and I loved what I was doing. I never wanted to do talk radio and the Lord will often shut one door and open another one. Cause I do believe he has multiple missions uh, for us in life and that prayer and that discernment process, even when you're in your job, I think is really important. Is this where God still wants me? And if not, what should I be doing with my gifts and my talents? Because I, I think sometimes one job or experience arms us with, uh, it puts a few more arrows in our quiver, if you will, for the next job or next mission that God wants to send us on. So I guess prayer and discernment are two really important things. But but Bruce, I'm grateful for your insight. I think that's a great first step. Pray, network, and you you, you don't have this listed anywhere, do you, where people can go and check your 12 steps out? You have a website? Uh, we, or, you know, I've, I've covered it a few times. Uh, I am 
going to put up a website, Drew. When I do, I'll get that out to you. But okay. um, uh, currently, I've mentioned it a few times. I've stepped through it a few times on some of the previous yeah. shows. But uh, well, that's a to-do on my list. That's a New Year's back. resolution for my list. Go ahead. <laughs> website. All right. Hey, let's have you back again. We're going to pray the chapel in a few minutes. I'll remember you and your wife's intentions uh, in mind. And I hope you and I, I hope our paths cross soon. I'd love to get together with you and have another meal. It'll be fun. Fun to hang out. True. A pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's Bruce uh, Lockenecker helping you get your dream job. You can listen to this conversation again at relevantradio.com. Just go to the archives. It'll be up after the show's over or listen to him every other Wednesday on morning air, 730. He'll take you through those steps. We could have spent a couple hours literally talking about each one of these steps. And I think it's important. You know, fear is another thing. I, I really should hit on this with him too, because I mean, a lot of people have anxiety and fear about change. We get become creatures of habit and we don't want to break those habits. We're afraid to step out, to get out of that boat, to walk on that water, to go to that new experience. But I'll tell you what, you can never be happier. I was, I loved what I used to do in my old career. I, I love even more what God had in store for me here. And who knows? I, I've often said to my wife, God may have another chapter in my life. Maybe I won't be doing talk radio at some point in the future. Maybe the Lord will take me in another direction. We have to be open. I think that prayer and discernment while you're looking and even when you have that job is so critical. So let's pray when we come back, okay? Let's pray for you if you are discerning a new job, if you're discerning a, a vocation, period, whether it's religious life or it's marriage or whatever it may be. All right, we're going to pray the chaplet. We're live today, and it's really great to be back with you today. Today is also the feast of the holy name of Jesus. And, you know, we're about to pray that chaplet of divine mercy where you'll hear that name repeated over and over again when we say, Jesus, I trust in you, right? This is a month. The whole month is is dedicated to that, to the name of Jesus. It's the month of the most holy name of Jesus. And that is perhaps one of the most powerful weapons we have against the evil one. I mean, Satan hates the name of Jesus. What does scripture tell us, right? Every knee shall bend, every head shall bow at the name. Uh, the little backstory on this feast, uh, it was celebrated, it's celebrated today, January the 3rd, because it's associated with the circumcision of Jesus. When Joseph officially gives him the name of Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And, you know, devotion to the most holy and, and, and powerful name of Jesus, um, you know, it was from the very beginning when Jesus was, you know, teaching his apostles about deliverance. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today. You know, the apostles were like, hey, teacher, you know, we saw someone else driving out demons in your name. They were using your name. We tried to stop them, you know, because they don't accompany us. And what did Christ say to me? He said, don't stop them. He says, for no one who performs a miracle in my name can turn around and speak evil of me. You know, and throughout the church, devotion to the holy name has continued. There's been great saints like Bernadine of Siena and Vincent Ferrar and so many others uh, who have just performed great miracles in the name of Jesus. The sick were healed, right? Uh, demons were, were exercised. Uh, homes protected just by putting the name of Jesus over the front door. And if you go to your catechism, which I often talk about, they have a wonderful teaching on this as well. But I hear my bumper. Let me take a short break. If you want to pray or if you need prayers, feel free to dial in. The number here is 888-914-9149. We will utter that sacred, that holy, that most beautiful name of our Lord, Jesus. Stay with me. I'll be right back. 